Hey, Snohomish County, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have a few special guests today, namely the Snohomish County Sheriff's Office Canine Unit, two members, or three members, I should say. So we've got uh, Sergeant Ryan Boyer, Deputy Brandon McCuller, and uh, hey, Sarge, who do you have here? Canine Knox. Canine Knox. All right, cool. So we today we are going to talk about anything and everything to do with canine, a little bit of history of the sheriff's office, and kind of how things changed kind of when I came into office, what changes did we make to the canine unit, and then uh, we are going to hopefully answer all of the questions that these guys tend to get at community events. We're just going to put it all out there so you have it, you have the information, and heck, everybody loves dogs anyway, so this will be a good podcast. So... Uh, I'll call you Sergeant Boyer and Deputy McCuller. Okay, we go way back. Uh, Ryan and Brandon? Yes. All right. Okay, cool. That's way better. All right. Um, Sarge, why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm Ryan Boyer. I'm the canine unit supervisor. Um, I have canine Knox here. I've been in the unit for three years and then a police officer for about 16. Cool. Thanks. B? Yeah, uh, Brandon McCuller. Been with the sheriff's office for uh, about, I'm going on my 20th year here. Uh, almost 16 in canine. Um, I am one of the trainers for the unit, as you know. Um, so I'm kind of responsible of, of overseeing and coordinating training. And uh, I'm on my third police dog, so that's that's quite a quite a bit. Uh, my current dog is uh, young, like Knox here, and uh, it's a good time. All right, so if the community didn't catch that, I think you said 16 years yeah. canine. Yeah. Uh, that is a very unique set of circumstances for a canine handler. While there may be others with that much tenure in the state of Washington, there are not that many. So uh, there's not that many that probably have worked three police dogs um, very successfully, by the way. And for full disclosure, we always talk about transparency and everything else. So in being completely transparent, this is the unit that I kind of come from, from back in the day. Um, I did 10 years in the unit. It was prior to your time in the unit, but it was with you almost that entire decade. We yeah. work together. Um, so kind of, you know, side by side, that's training, that's working dogs, trying to figure stuff out. And so, yes, I am very personally passionate about our sheriff's office canine unit. And I hope that reflected when I came in office a little bit where we made some changes and we're a growing county. We're about 850,000 people now within Snohomish County. And I kind of felt like the two dog teams we had at the time weren't sufficient in order to catch the crooks that are running from us all the time. So we expanded a little bit. Uh, sergeant Boyer was part of that where we put a sergeant, which wasn't typical. Typically the sergeant was a collateral collateral duty. So you might be a patrol sar sergeant or a detective sergeant and then manage canine part-time. I felt managing a canine unit in this day and age needed a full-time manager and specifically you guys needed a full-time manager. So <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we made a couple changes, but we did that I, in all. I, I mean, we're joking because I, I love these guys and it's fun, but uh, I really think that, you know, these, these canine units, when they get called to something, it's typically when everything else has failed and the only other option we have is for a dog to come in and find somebody and so we'll get into that a little bit so that's kind of where we came from a little bit like i said brandon you've been around uh, for quite a while you kind of started with the revamping of the unit it's kind of headed up for the last three years um, so talk to us kind of about where we're at today. What is the structure? We'll get into all the cool questions in a minute. The structure of the canine unit, how many teams do we have? Um, are they housed somewhere specific? How do we do it at the sheriff's office? Either one of you. Want to start it? Yeah. So we're slated for six teams. Um, that was Sheriff Fortney's, you know, vision. And one of those teams is going to be a sergeant. Uh, currently we have five. We had a retiree and, uh, we're gonna stick with five until we get staffing up, but right now we've got uh, five apprehension teams. So these dogs, I mean, they're, they're just incredible. Um, 
evidence searches, searching for human beings, uh, de-escalation, all those types of things. We use these dogs um, for as much as we possibly can. So um, it was an undertaking, you know, uh, adding four teams, uh, learning how to work a dog and being a handler. That was a huge learning curve for me. And then the supervisory role as well. So, yeah. so the dogs are really good at what they do. It's oftentimes the human part of the whole team that uh, needs all the work. At least that was it in my case. I know that. Yes, I would agree with that. Um, all right. So, uh, Brandon, what, what do you guys do? Because uh, without razzing me too much, you guys are part of patrol right now. Mm -hmm. So that's just one of the things with staffing we had to do. That's probably a conversation for another day, but you can talk about it if you want. Sure. What do you guys do? Like, what's a normal day look like to you guys? Uh, so we are and we're in staffing just like every other uh, patrol deputy. And um, so... Our, we have to um, respond to calls and um, cover areas and then addition, keep our, our dog proficient. So an average day is, uh, you know, yeah, you help out uh, with the 911 calls on the screen and uh, maybe do some, you know, proactive enforcement. And then, you know, in your downtime, you work on paperwork and uh, some of your maintenance training. And then on Wednesdays, uh, for the most part, we're freed up to train together and um, we can really dive more into the weeds on things that need to be worked on uh, when we're, we're not out uh, responsible for covering an area. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we make it work. It's, you know, it's not perfect, but we're just making it work. So what do the dogs do? What do we use them for here at the Sheriff's Office? Either Tracking. Um, so if somebody runs and we've got a little bit of information on where they may have gone from or uh, their last point that they were at, we can use these patrol dogs to use their human odor and locate them. So that that's the biggest thing. I say that, what, 90% of what we do is tracking? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tracking. You know, a lot of times we'll take them out, and uh, maybe we'll have somebody that doesn't uh, want to cooperate. They'll take a look at the dog, take a look at us, take a look at the dog, and give up. Um, that's a great that's a great tool. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a time when... Uh, we were using the police dogs cross-trained um, with narcotics, and uh, we've gotten a little bit away from that, uh, from the change in the laws, Absolutely. of course. Um, but, um, yeah, like, like Sergeant Boyer said, it's a, it's a patrol generalist, so um, their primary duty is a locating tool. And, um, you know, the, but, yeah, I mean, at least 90% of what we do is tracking, which is, of course, following a specific scent trail from uh, one point to another. Um, but the, the, safety, the safety aspect that they provide as well when we have to search buildings for, for burglaries or <clears throat> maybe a crime of violence, um, it really is um, um, very important to, to have the dog. Cool. So, uh, well, we can see Knox here. And... Most people can probably tell what breed of dog he is, but what breed of dog do we use or able to use, and what are the reasons why? So Knox is a German Shepherd. Uh, we're allowed to use German Shepherd, Malinois, or uh, Dutch. Uh, most of our dogs, everyone, uh, I'd say Greg's probably half and half. Yeah. So uh, well, the majority of our dogs have been German Shepherds. We do have a Malinois, and I think we have a couple that have got a little mix in them. So. Um, the reason why we choose these dogs is they're super social, super hardworking, and they've got an incredible sense of smell. So that's how we choose these dogs. Okay, so let's cover some of the myths that might be out there. The questions I've had when I was in the canine unit, and you just said they're social. 
police dogs. Yeah. I think people probably have the perception that cops just looking for the meanest dog they can find and they want them to bite people and stuff like that. And I love getting that question because I like to correct it as much as I can because that is that is the absolute last thing we want, either as a handler because right. it's just going to be too much um, or as now me in my different position as an office, we don't want mean dogs. So what are you guys looking for? Uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, we want a social dog that can turn it off and on. And at the end of the day, what I think the general public doesn't know is that this is just a big game to the dog, mm -hmm. right? It's a, it's a game of cat and mouse and this bite equipment that we use, it's, it's just a big tennis ball to them. And, and that's what we do is we make it really fun. Uh, but we want a dog that we can, um, we can go catch catch a suspect if we need to, and then right after that, we could drive to a, a preschool and, and do a demo and let the kids pet the dog. Um, but it, it definitely is a myth. Uh, we don't have any mean police dogs in our unit or in our community that I'm aware of. And, um, and yeah, that could be the furthest thing from the truth. And so we go back to Indiana for the most part when we're mm -hmm. looking at dogs, just simply because the selection there is so much greater than really anywhere else in the country. And I've been on a couple of those trips back when I was in canine, and then I even went once as the sheriff early on in, in 2020. And just to kind of reinforce what you just said, because I really want to hit this, this point home. If there is a dog showing aggression when we're back there surveying them, or you guys now are back there surveying them, they're pretty much out right then and there. I mean, it, tell me if I'm wrong. Is that is that fair? Because that's not the kind of dog we're looking for. You're absolutely right. And I think I can think of a perfect example. You were with us and we had this Malinois that we had just, <laughs> we had just done a courage test on him with what we did, if you guys can remember. Yeah. And man, we were bringing that dog out of the barn and he lashed onto Sheriff Fortney's arm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yeah, of course we watched that dog from, from the list. Um, I, he just he just wasn't clear and and so we passed him up. Kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah. I think I kind of hung him <laughs> no, out there like this is not supposed to be happening right now. You just stood there and said, "Get the dog off." <laughs> yes, yeah, you didn't look like somebody who was being bit. It was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, I had forgot about that till you just said that. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. That's not on our list. Like, you know, courage, yeah. ball drive. You know, social. They want to be pet. They want to play around. Well, they keep looking for something if we throw the ball out there. Yeah. You know. Like, will they not stop looking for that ball? You know, it has nothing to do with how mean, I mean, look at this guy, you know, how mean they are, you know, that's not what we're looking for. So, and you, I think you said it best, they're locating tools, what they are. Mm, right. But then we also got to be, I'll use the word transparency again, um, overused word these days, but uh, let's handle the difficult questions too, because there was a push a couple years ago to ban these dogs outright in the state of Washington. Thank the good Lord that didn't go anywhere. It might be back in the future. I don't know what the legislature is going to do. But there's some perceptions in some circles, especially down there in Olympia, that, uh, you know, oh, they're either mean dogs or they're going to bite anyone and everybody. It is such a, in my opinion, and you guys are free reign to say what you want. It is such a, I'll, I'll ask you guys, are they trained to bite? And then, in my opinion, it's such a small fraction of what they do. And it is a big deal. It absolutely is a big deal. But I think we treat it as such and only set them up in circumstances where it would be appropriate. And again, it's more um, dictated by the criminal at that mm -hmm. moment in time mm -hmm. than anything we do. If we can find a human and just use the dog as a locating tool and there's no use of force at all, I think that's all of our goals. Would you guys say that's correct? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So, yeah. are they then? Then do these dogs bite? Do we train them to bite? If so, why? Yeah, they they are trained to bite, 
but that doesn't mean that we allow them to bite every time. Um, you know, this is a long-winded answer that I'm going to sum it up. Depends on what we're dealing with. Depends on how dangerous that person is or how not dangerous that person is. Um, and then we balance uh, the terrain we're in and how we're operating or how much lead we're letting off and so on and so on. So in a perfect world, there'd be an assessment at the end where we can determine if the use of force is needed. The best outcome is to locate them and be able to assess it. So we have policy in place for that. There's rules at the, at the state level now for yes. that. Um, and then also you being a sergeant, the supervisor of the unit, and you being a trainer, mm -hmm. which is a huge deal in the canine world, so everybody knows. Um, uh, what kind of training do they go through for that? I mean, are, do you train up your dog as a handler, and we'll talk about how many hours that is and stuff, and you're just expected to go do the, the job out there? Or is there what I call like scenario-based training? So are we getting practice at that to where you can watch one of your handlers and goes, I don't think you should have handled it this way. Could you have done this? Or you as the trainer, are we doing that at the sheriff's office? We are. Um, yeah, we can get into a little bit the foundation training, but yes. Um, I, I personally believe in uh, uh, scenario-based training just because it, it, it makes the handler uh, think, uh, you know, uh, on the fly, and they have to be able to make split-second decisions. And if we set them up for those scenarios ahead of time and they've seen it before, when it happens to them in real life, they're going to think quicker, they're going to react quicker. And, and we do, we test the handler's uh, judgment on uh, should you have bitten that person or uh, why didn't you, you, you probably should have um, because that was very dangerous for us type thing. So yeah, we do. Um, and again, the, the foundational training of it is, is really about just making it super fun for the dog and, and a big game um, and you, you know, it, you, you watch these dogs, their tails are wagging and, you know, they're just, they're just happy to, um, just to, just to be out there pleasing you. So you mentioned the foundation training. So just the community is not going to know what that is. So what yeah. is it in the state of Washington to train up one of these dogs and the human part of the team mm -hmm. and then say, okay, you're okay. You can go do police work now. What is it? So the state requires uh, 10 weeks of training, 400 hours and, that's minimum you are just barely you know scraping the surface yeah. you know when it comes to dog training but um, during that time of course you got to cover um, the legalities um, case law um, and then during that um, you're covering obedience you got to teach the, the dog control work which means uh, the dog has to be able to be sent on a decoy and chase after them and called back to you. They have to be able to release a bite. Um, the dog has to be able to sit and stay for a certain amount of time, heal next to you, do all sorts of just, when you say something, they, they need to listen and do it. Um, and then of course in that, um, there is evidence, uh, location, um, tracking, area searching, and um, building searching. So it, it, it's a long process and I'll say probably 80% of the time we go over that 400 hours, we're just not ready. It's just so much information that we have to get in during that amount of time. And, and we really judge it on whether the dog and the handler are ready, not so much the 400 hour mark. Um, you, you mentioned something about a recall. Can you explain yeah. what the heck is that? I think that's important. Yeah. 
That's probably the toughest thing that we train. And what that is, is there, there's a call off and a recall. And the call off is when somebody is running away from you and man, you, you've made that decision, you've given your warnings, they're not stopping, and you've made your decision to use that dog as an apprehension tool. And then guess what? That dog is chasing the guy and he, he turns around and says, I give up, I, I surrender. You have to be able to call that dog off while he's in motion. And that's the only use of force tool that I know of that we can actually uh, make the intentional decision to use and then we can take it back and it's a lot of training but once they get it they get it and and, and it's in their head and, and we maintain it so and then the recall you ask that and that would be you send your dog on somebody they're biting them and you have to be able to verbally call your dog off that person they have to let go and come back to you yeah, so you know, I agree with what you said, and, and that is a big deal. Incredibly difficult to train into the younger dogs, but you're right. Once they get it and grasp it, it usually clicks, but then comes in the maintenance training. Yeah. And you guys already mentioned at the beginning, um, I, I know the decision to be part of patrol wasn't super popular amongst the canine teams, and I get it. But if we did something right, it was... I, we're still allowing that Wednesday day of training because look, they're a dog, they're very intelligent, they're very smart, but you got to keep that training component. So I just want to be clear with the community. Every Wednesday, we are freeing you guys up to continue to train these dogs for all the things that you just listed. Yeah. Is that accurate? It is accurate. Okay. Yeah. okay. Our patrol supervisors have been really, really great to work with and given us that ability to making staffing changes so that the handlers can be there on their work days as well. So All right. we try to get 40 hours in a month. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. It is. It's needed. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, home life. Everybody wants to know. Oh. We always get the, do they come home with you? Where do they sleep? Uh, do you have other pets? Let's cover all of that so the community can know. Ours are, I think ours are pretty, I don't know, pretty similar. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've got donkeys at home. I've got <laughs> two other dogs, a little dog, and then a, uh, younger lab um, and then we have cats and whatnot. So he rides with me, you know, when we go out to go out to the truck to go to work, you know, I'll put him in the truck and from his kennel outside and uh, get him dressed and we'll go to work. And then when we get home, you know, feed him and he has his own run and a real nice kennel. It's covered, he's got a dog house, a bed, actually two beds. Um, <laughs> and he, he gets along just fine with the little dog. He gets, uh, gets along with my daughter, my wife. Loves the donkeys. He likes to go kiss the donkeys. Um, yeah, he's just a regular dog at home. <laughs> like he'll hang out, chill on his ball. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Is yours the same? He is. My dog's Jim, and uh, he, yeah, same thing. Roughly the same age. Um, hit Luke, the dog I retired, hates him. <laughs> so. <Imagine> that. <laughs> So uh, Luke gets to be an inside dog now, and, and uh, Jim, he, he has a, a really nice setup outside. Um, he can run around out there. It's fenced. He's got shelter and, you know, all that good stuff. So uh, they, they really become part of the family, it, the reality of it is. And um, it's maybe not that they're in, in bed with you or whatever or on the couch watching TV. Hey, buddy. Um, but, you know, um, they're just like any other dog, and we treat them slightly different. Right. Yeah. What about um, when they're uh, in every dog's service life is probably a little bit 
unique to the specific dog. Um, what do they do when they retire? I mean, he's done it a couple yeah. a couple times, so I should probably let him do it. But I did retire my my very first dog, um, and you know he came into the house. Uh, my wife, my daughter took care of him, played with him, um, and all those types of things. So that's typically what they do. They get to come home and just be a dog, you know. So yeah, yep, no, same thing. Uh, you know, Luke just he's you know happy house dog, and he has a Labrador friend that he hangs out with all day, and. He just relaxes and he still walks me out to the car every morning and now he's content with it and hmm. wags his tail and walks away and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So talk about, um, let's go from home life to work life and kind of describe for them like a basic call a track that you guys would go to because um, typically we're responding after the fact. Yeah, yeah. Stuff has already gone down. They can't catch anybody. They think there might be an opportunity for the dog. Explain not so much the tactics, just what's that look like from your guys' perspective? So you get called from patrol. The whole world's falling apart. Come solve this for us. How's that look? So we typically will listen to all the radio channels because we want to hear that dog call and we want to be able to be the one to respond. So we'll already have a little bit of information typically of what's taking place or what that call looks like. Um, while we're going there, we're hoping the containment's being set. So that'd be like when the cop cars are all lit up with their lights on all around. It's probably going to be containment. Um, and that tries to, we're trying to put that suspect to ground, not continue to run. Um, but when we get there, you know, we have to make an assessment. Are we going to use the dog? Is it the right tool for the job? Um, should we use the dog? Um, what are the ramifications if we do use the dog? Uh, so there's this whole, and this is like, this is that thing when you're a new handler, starting to process that stuff and, and make a decision. Is it a good deployment mm -hmm. or is it not a good deployment? But once we deploy, yeah, we'll, we'll ask for cover deputies to run with us. So to make sure we're safe, because we're totally focused on the dog. And we need those deputies to be focused on those threats. So, so um, no one's going to know. What, what does that mean, basically? Threats? So you're following behind the dog with you typically like a 30-foot lead. Yeah. Does it mean you're at 30 feet? You could be at 10, you could be at 8, whatever. Um, so, but you're, like you said, you're focused on the dog. So you're not looking really out for your safety is that fair statement yeah. so we rely on others to do that yeah so like the sheriff said we're gonna put this 30-foot lead and some people use a 50-foot lead but we have a 30-foot lead we'll attach it to the tracking harness and then we'll we'll give a canine warning before we deploy and what that does is kind of triggering the dog hey we're about to go do something and then we'll give them the command like our track command so the dog will be out, you know, 10, 20, all the way at 30 feet out in front of us, depending on what the terrain looks like, you know, city street, uh, big grass field, trees, however it changes, fences. Um, we'll shorten up that lead or let that lead out depending on, you know, the terrain. Um, but my sole focus or our focus when we're tracking is watching the dog. We're looking for different cues that the dog's telling us through behaviors. We're not looking around at every little nook and cranny. We're watching the dog. We're watching how he signals, hey, are we close? Are we on the track? Are we off the track? Is he, you know, did he find a cat that he likes? You know, whatever the case may be, we're focused on all those things and the safety of the dog and the safety of the team. But we need some, we need the other deputies to make sure that when we go around that corner, we're watching the dog, that they're watching out for us. Cool. Um I just want to follow up on one thing where you guys mentioned evidence a couple times. Um, 
so if you're tracking a guy, say he was armed, they end up tossing something, what is the role of, of the dog or is there a role on something like that? Is that what you meant by evidence? It is. And yeah, the dog is anything that has human scent on it that our suspect uh, discarded. Uh, they have the ability to uh, recognize that, locate it, and we actually now teach them to down on the article. So. Um, uh, yeah, once they locate it, they're, they're uh, typically going to down there and wait there until you come recover it. Um, so maybe if somebody gets in a foot chase and they lose sight of the person, um, they can call us and be like, hey, we, we lost sight of him between here and there. But when we found him, you know, he didn't have, have the gun on him or, or whatever the case may be. And so that's where we come in locate that um, I'll give one because this is this is this is really old but I think it's a good example to kind of explain to the community so we were on a track one night of actually a homicide suspect that happened in Linwood is way back in the day we're tracking through an apartment complex and again I'm watching for, for the dog and, and stuff like that I'm not watching everything and there we had like a, a row of hedges really super thick hedges and the dog stuck his nose in there his whole face in there and I'm thinking there might be someone hiding there but when he came out he had the murder weapon and a pistol in his mouth. And that's one of the things that you could have had 15 human beings trying to walk that area. We are not going to see it. But that is one of the things these dogs bring to this where they, they're just capable of doing things that human beings can't do. Right. And that's just one example. So, um, but they're doing that kind of stuff every day, which, which is cool. So next question, and we're getting close to wrapping up, I promise. Um, so kind of... I think canine is thought of as like a glamorous job all of the time, right? <laughs> Where everything always goes perfect. Um, it's always sunshiny and, and 75 degrees out when we're working. No, that's not true. Um, so talk about a little bit of the things that people may not realize. Because you guys are pretty cool. You get to run around, around with a dog in your back seat. What, do you like? Do you prefer a German Shepherd partner or a human being partner? You can say. Oh, dog. Okay. Sure not. Okay. Okay. So you got these partners in your backseat all of the time. Um, just talk to us about that a, a, a little bit. Um, I'm still trying to figure out what the glamour part is. We're supposed yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the negative part? I'll just ask it. This job. What don't people see? It is super rewarding and it is so much work, but it is so disappointing too at times. Uh, you work just as hard as you can and it's like an alien came down and <laughs> took the yeah. suspect away. That's what happened here? Like, then there's no conclusion some of the time and you know, you're only as good as your last track and all these, well, the deputies put in as much work as they can to contain it and do all the things that they need to do to try to make us successful as possible. But sometimes we're just not successful. So yeah. when we do find that, you know, that shirt that the person dropped or a weapon or evidence, we're ecstatic because it's uh, one of those things where, hey, we had a success and it's mm -hmm. measurable. It's right there in front of us. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're cleaning up messes all the time. Um, you know, our cars are always stinky and disgusting. We try <laughs> to keep them clean. You know, they like to bark a lot. There's all these other things that, uh, you know, maybe aren't as glamorous as one would think, but it's a, it's a very difficult job, but it's, it's, it is rewarding. So. Yeah. I guess when you find, when you find a crook that's hiding from me, it's the best feeling in the world. It is the best. It's feeling. just, you don't get that feeling on every time. Right. Yeah. I remember the uh, competitive component, you know, even when you and I work together. I do not know what you're talking <laughs> about right now. <laughs> it's like, Hey, how many calls did you get? Well, I got this many. And, uh, but you know what they say, you're only as good as your last capture. And, uh, what that means is, you know, 
everybody forgets about all these great captures when you have one bad one. And um, I tell students often when I teach a basic class that this by far is the most frustrating job you'll ever do. Mm -hmm. And it is so rewarding when you do have your successes, but at the same time, you have to be mentally tough and you have to be able to chalk up those losses and learn from them the best you can because you typically don't know what you did wrong, if anything. And It is awful doing the walk of shame with the dead yeah, yeah, back yeah, to your is, car yeah, and you yeah. don't know what happened. It's just like, <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's always another one. Yep. For sure. All right. What? Well, give me something that the – so uh, like – to the community, because you guys are out there every single day. I mean, I hear dog calls, I want to say daily almost anymore. Yeah. It feels like anyway. Yeah. Um, so you guys are out there all the time. At some point, there might be a community member watching. Like, yeah, I remember walking through my neighborhood with the dog on the lead and stuff like that. And, and I'm, I'm, we haven't always been the best because some of those, some of the incidents that you guys are involved in, it can be stressful. Adrenaline's going. It could be a dangerous situation. What, when a community member sees that and you're out there and you got the dog on the lead, what do you want them to do? Yeah, so coming out and approaching us, probably not the best thing to do. The best thing that they can do is keep their eyes open, be vigilant from inside their house. Um, if they see something like, I don't know, a person jumping through their yard, get a description and a direction of travel where they're at, let us know because that could be our next clue. That could be the missing piece of where the person went that we're not able to find as a dog team um but getting out in your yards or starting to search yourself with flashlights and all this, that's that's not what we're after uh being a good witness and and letting us know via 911 is the very best way to uh be helpful okay all right we'll end on this a question to both of you i'm kind of putting you in the spot but too bad well just give me your number one favorite thing about being in, in the canine unit anything you want i like training wednesdays Wednesdays are our chance to get together as a group, evaluate what we're, what we're doing, and then push ourselves. So most of the time we'll bring, we'll bring some ideas to training or some struggles, and then we'll put our minds together and we'll come up with some sort of solutions or set something up. And watching the dog grow and succeed and, and the handlers is um, my favorite thing. Cool. Uh, our Wednesdays is a close second for me. Um, as you know, when you've been doing it as long as I have, training gets very old. It does. And it, it wears on you. But he's right. Wednesdays is kind of different. And, you know, it's a time for us to, you know, just get together and share ideas. But nothing beats just a good dog call. Mm -hmm. Like, man, this person just fled. Um, and you being the one able to locate them and and hold them accountable. So no, nothing beats that for me. No feeling like it in the world. No. Best job in the world, very frustrating at yeah. times. But uh, I can honestly say, having done the job for a long period of my career, and then going on to different stuff, I will look back and say, that was the best 10 years in the profession, in my opinion anyway. Cool thing about this profession is it's all to, in a, in a, to an individual. Some person might wanna do something else. They might wanna drive a boat, might wanna go on a helicopters, might wanna be a detective. You guys chose the canine path. That's kind of what I chose back in the day. So best job in the world. I hope to the community we answered some questions. You got to know our teams just a little bit. And just thank you guys for coming in. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, cool. Thank you.